The Nets are hamstrung a bit. Should we be concerned with James Harden's latest setback? Brooklyn's just a half game out of the top spot in the East after beating the Pelicans Tuesday. But will we see the big three play together again in the regular season? Our guest this week is the association and front office sports writer, Anthony Puccio, to dive into the Nets' final push toward the playoffs. So have a nice stretch, get loose, and locked in to a brand new episode of Full Court on Flatbush from the New York Post. The next stop is Barclays Center. Full Court on Flatbush. Flatbush Avenue. It's the podcast. The New York Post. BK. Most stars in the sky. The three. Welcome to Full Court on Flatbush. I'm your host, Robin Lundberg, alongside my co-host, former net number 30, Carrie Kittles. Give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review on Apple Podcasts, please. We appreciate your support as we take you through what has been a thrilling net season. You can follow us on Twitter, at Robin Lundberg, and at Carrie underscore Kittles 30. You'll hear our producer, Jake Brown, during the show as well. The association and front office sports writer and Nets fan, Anthony Puccio, will join us later in the show. But first, Carrie, uh, you know, I, I got a new baby. Um, Rohan is healthy and good, and I'm chasing Raj and Ronnie, my other kids around. And I know you've got five of your own. You still got to chase them around to some degree, no matter how grown they are, right? And we've managed to keep our hamstrings intact. So uh, cheers to that. <laughs> cheers, man. Good luck with that. You know, you, you, now you guys going to be playing zone defense, uh, no longer man-to-man, and uh, <laughs> it's going to be quite the task as he starts moving around and growing. Good luck with Do that. Do you have, like, a book, Carrie's Parenting Tips? Did you ever, like, no, pen something like that? No, there's no book. There's no manual. I'm sorry. It's stuff you got to learn mm-hmm. on the fly. You know, throw you out to the wolves, and, you know, you'll figure it out. It's, uh, it's going to be quite a journey. Just, uh, you know, have a glass of wine every evening, and you'll be fine. You say it's like the equivalent of basketball IQ, right? Like, their, you know, parenting <laughs> IQ, whatever that natural innate ability is. Yeah, you just got to go through it, man. I'm sorry. You just got to lace them up, go in the trenches, and uh, hopefully you come out unscathed. Good spacing, efficiency, all that sort of stuff. I like that. <laughs> now, a little assist here and there from uh, Harden. So. Well, I mean, look, you mentioned Harden. I- I'm going to go to you this time as the the one who's a, a little, uh, I, w- I wouldn't say panicked, but a little bit more concerned and worried than normal. You know, if you, you listen to this show, I've kind of been like, ha, 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 about the, the state of the Nets all year. And this Harden injury is the first time I've gotten a little worried about the prospects of this season because the setback came so late in the season. And, and you you know hamstrings are tricky, right? And the, the big three, I mean, I, I know we didn't think they had to play too many games together, but one would be nice. <laughs> exactly. Yes, one would be really nice. And to have a, an injury setback, probably your best player this year, give or take, uh, you know, with, with, I mean, Kyrie has been so great. But, yeah, you don't want to see Harden have this kind of setback where he's in so much pain where he has to go in for an MRI to get something confirmed. So that, to me, when I heard that, I'm like, whoa, that's, you know, to have a setback and just say, oh, you know, we're going to continue some treatments, that's one thing. But to go in and have an MRI to confirm whether something was torn or not, 
that's concerning. That's at least three weeks to me. Yeah, and, you know, with Harden, it seemed like it was minor at first, and, and he's been such a, a workhorse throughout his career. I just kind of shrugged it off. And you were more worried. I mean, one of the reasons it worries me is because he's the one I considered the durable one or the reliable one, right? Obviously, Katie hasn't stayed on the floor all year. Kyrie, you know, has been in, a, in and out for various reasons. Uh, <laughs> and Harden's the, the guy you could sort of count on, it, and he's not there. And then the other aspect of a carry that concerns me a little bit is he's the hardest one to integrate back in because he is commanding the show and if you remember when he first got traded to the Nets it took him a while before he got that balance of when to attack and when to distribute and exactly what his role was with Kyrie and and Durant you just plug them in and and they have one setting we're gonna go get buckets right so I'm less worried about integrating them back in when they're out and a little bit more concerned about Harden because he's sort of the engine. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. And and that was one of the questions that we were talking about earlier in the season when Harden first joined the Nets was, was their chemistry and their timing? And and we saw that with their turnovers. Those numbers were really high on, on any given night. And so uh, that would be a concern. I, I think he'll definitely need a few games to find his rhythm. But the one thing we've seen from Harden is him accepting any role that comes about. And and so if the coaches and your teammates are telling you, hey, we don't need you to be the old Harden right away. Give yourself some time to get back into the flow of things. Let us handle the load as we've seen other guys step up. Kyrie now is in this more leadership role than when he was playing with Harden. Joe Harris has been in numbers. Now Sham is playing well. So we don't need Harden to come back and be the old Harden right away. But we will definitely need Harden to be the old Harden to get past the Bucks or to get past the Sixers. It's, it's funny because when the Harden trade went down, it, it felt more like a luxury than a necessity. But it, it's, it's turned into the latter, I believe. The team's 500 uh, in games that, that Harden hasn't played in. And you mentioned that he's been the best player on the team. This year, I don't think that's a, a controversial s- statement. And when you're you're talking about acquiring a guy like him, I mean, there, there's a chance that that move sort of saved this era a little bit because if, if things had gone the way that it looked like they might have gone without him, with KD missing so much time, you know, the, the Nets could be fighting for a play-in spot right now or, or somewhere else rather than in the position they're in which is still right there for first and ease. Yeah, there were a lot of doubts. And I was one of those people that were questioning that move to bring him in. And we saw right away that this, wow, this guy can play a different style of play. Oh, wow, he's more than what we thought he was. It's ISO Harden. And and so, and he really did a good job of figuring out the system with the Nets and, and what they needed him for. And they have really allowed him to play his normal position, which is playmaker, score when you have to score. And he did a really good job of picking and choosing when to be aggressive to score and when to find other guys and make the court as wide as the space open as it is. It's interesting to see how he's played thus far with the team, but now with him being out, I mean, wow, there's so many questions right now with this team and, and, and their abilities, and do they have enough now to make it to the finals? I don't know. How do you manage that injury? Because, you know, usually with a hamstring or one of those I, I don't know, soft tissue injuries, whatever, the back of the leg injury, my, my default is wait until it's 100% and then wait a little bit longer because those things always seem to, to go and, and nag. But – you do want to get these guys on the on the floor together. Obviously, you don't bring him back before the playoffs if he's not ready. If it, it you know if, if it's going to be the playoffs, so be it. But 
Do you think there's a, a sense of urgency at, at all to get these guys on the floor for a quote-unquote ramp-up period before the postseason starts? Yeah, there's that sense of urgency that's that's in their minds. And, and to try to listen to these performance guys and the medical staff is going to be key. But they have some data, right? They have two and a half weeks of data on his hamstring from working on it, from from integrating smaller workouts, seeing how he responded. And so how do you go back and reevaluate that information? New recovery plan to getting back is looking back and saying, what were some mistakes we made? Where was he when we ramped it up on this day? And how did he respond to that? Those are all critical um, key elements to seeing how he does as they're going to add more and more load to his workout. He's not the only guy that got a monitor, though. I mean, Kevin Durant, you know, we talked about it. He hasn't, he hasn't been on the floor basically the entire year. He's recovering from the Achilles. Uh, then he, he looks great to start the season. COVID protocols and stuff keep him out. The hamstring keeps him out. And then the, this uh, contusion, which everybody acted like was the worst thing in the world, I guess because we're so used to seeing him out of the lineup. But really, we've all had that. I, I know you've had it. That Charlie horse to the thigh, right, from, from taking the knee. It, it hurts. You should be back in a couple days, theoretically. But we're now at the point where I, I do think there's a genuine sort of school of thought or, or in the back of your mind of, is Kevin Durant going to be able to play a consecutive long streak of games uh, w- without something coming up? Yeah, that's that's a big question. I mean, whenever you come back from these injuries, though, you have to listen to your body. And your body is, is giving you the signals when other things are breaking down. It's telling you something's not right. And the more you ignore that and you try to push through it and man up, then you're bound to have a big injury occur. So it's tricky. And, and the hamstring is, is definitely one of the trickier ones to deal with. I haven't had that experience, but I've seen it. And so Durant, he has to be ready to play for the playoffs. There's no question, right? Second round, and as they try to advance further, they're going to need a healthy Durant. That's the main objective here as they're reevaluating these injuries, as they're pushing these guys through, as they're listening to what they're going through. It's tricky, and it's going to be a very, very uh, difficult thing to have to get through Milwaukee and the Sixers without those two guys. Guys, the, the kids say thick thighs save lives these days, but contused thighs do not save lives in the case of Kevin Durant. I'm curious. Robin's giving me a look like I've never heard that phrase before. You've heard, I, 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 thick, I've heard thick thighs save lives? Thick thighs save lives, I yes. thick, thick thighs were good for eyes. I didn't know they, they save lives. I, Ask I any know. girl from you know 20 to 30, and they'll say that, that right. if they have thick thighs, they do save lives. But I'm curious curious can this Nets team survive a first round without two of the three do they yes. need do okay so you think if Harden is out yes. the Nets beat whoever they play even if it's the sizzling Knicks right now the Celtics the Hawks they will be any of them with two of it's the three. gonna be a battle no matter what but I I think they can definitely win the first round without t- two of those stars I do but without two of them two yes without Harden and, and Durant really I think they have what it takes to get by in the first round I do it's wow. gonna be a challenge no doubt about it it will not be an easy series it will be six or seven games. Carry with the hot take. Whoa. But I will I will say with the way Kyrie is scoring at will, making clutch shots like that, Joe Harris stepping up and others, I think they have what it takes. Even with Blake Griffin, I mean, he's been there before. You know, you saw him last night. He dropped 16 points, and he's, you know, a guy really hadn't played much at all before coming to the net. So they have what it takes, and it wouldn't be an easy task, but they have to get, they can get past the Knicks without. I think without two of the three, they're on an even sort of playing field with those teams, personally. Like, but, but Kyrie Irving, to Kerry's point, is still the best player on the floor. You know, like, and that's the thing. That's why we can't go too far and go like, boo hoo, Nets. Oh, you still only, you only have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving now until James Harden gets back. I mean, this team, if healthy, has been the, the thing we've said all year, right? Right? Like, and you throw everything else in the garbage when you know guys are hurt. But if healthy, they're still the favorites to, to win the title. They just need everybody to be on the, the floor at, at the same time. 
Um, as far as, you know, I, I would hope Kevin Durant isn't out for the playoffs at this point and you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie which makes them I think a prohibitive favorite over anybody that they play in the first it's round it's hard to imagine Durant's not gonna be able to play in the first round it's really hard I mean he's got another three and a half weeks guys or more before that first round starts I think he'll be in the lineup he, he should be really playing do. today if, if it were the playoffs yeah. Uh, yeah yeah well what's crazy is we talked about the depth and unfortunately guys are dropping like flies I mean after we dropped last week's episode with with me and Carrie when when Robin was with his third child, the Nets lost LaMarcus Aldridge and prayers that he's okay in the heart condition, but he suddenly retired. Chris Chioza, who's not a big time piece, but he is a backup guard, has been a solid player, is now out for the season after hand surgery. So the Nets just lost two guys for the season. Is it becoming a little bit more worrisome as you lose two bodies and, and the big three are all questionable? I mean, that's why I was concerned at the top because of Harden. But Harden was the guy I, I considered the the constant, right? The other stuff, look, no, no disrespect to Chris Chioza, but... They'll be fine. Uh, as far as um, you know, Aldridge goes. That was that move that we they they made, and we we went. Oh my God, they're the best team ever assembled, right? Even with without Aldridge, Blake Griffin's played really well and, and has played those big man minutes. Obviously, Nick Claxton. They're, they're trying to bring him up to speed. Jeff Green, you know, gives them some depth at, at that spot. I, I think that the question remains: Is DeAndre Jordan going to be good enough? in the the minutes he needs to play or, you know, the specific matchups he needs to play. Cause that was kind of, it looked like the reason that, that Aldridge came in to, to take those minutes. Yeah. They're going to need a healthy team to get, to get by. That's no question about it. And DeAndre Jordan has been there. He's been a true professional and he's had his moments where the team weren't high on him, but he, he responded in all these challenges thus far. Listen, I want to see Durant in the lineup in the first round. That's all. If Durant's there in the first round, I, I think I can breathe. Gives him another week and a half or so to let Harden heal up a little bit more. And I think that's what they're kind of planning on. Yeah, I think Miami would be the only sort of sort of scary team there in the first round because of their pedigree. Uh, and, and what they did last year, but they just haven't been that team this year at any point. And those other teams, you know, the Hornets, no, they don't concern me. I think you guys are sleeping on because the Knicks, Heat, and Celtics are all very intriguing if they had to play the Nets. Maybe maybe not the Hawks. They're a younger team. I don't trust them in the playoffs. And, yeah, I agree, not the Hornets, although LaMelo Ball's coming back. Or the Knicks, Heat, and Celtics are three teams you guys have to worry about a little bit if – one or if two guys are out, you really got to worry. If one guy's out, they should be fine. Well, I mean, look, the, the Nets mopped the floor with the Celtics earlier this year without Harden before he got there. Uh, they've swept the Knicks this se- season series. I, I mean, look, they, they, they go into either of those series with the two best guys on, on the floor if Durant and, and Kyrie are there. I mean, and that's ultimately what matters in the playoffs more than anything else. Kyrie, went when Harden and Durant are off the floor, is averaging 30 points a game, 10 assists, uh, and – shooting uh, true shooting percentage is Phenomenal. 60% and and he's closing games. Yeah. So I I think if both of those guys are in any of those teams you mentioned four or five games uh you know something like that I I I'm not with with Kerry if it's just Kyrie if it's two of the three out then I think yes. then I think it's even. Cut uh, the tape, cut the tape, cut the tape, get it ready. If Harden's in the lineup they're sweeping all those teams. Oh yeah, all three guys. Unquestionably, yes. they're sweeping all those teams. I, I would agree. I, I think without those, without Harden and without without Durant, you're looking at seven games. It's going to be a nail biter, and I'll be betting on Kyrie in that situation. But, yeah, with with KD and, and and Kyrie though, like the most I see any of those series is going to six. That would be like the the top line of it. But we'll see. That's why they play the games, right? Isn't that the cliche? I agree. <laughs> I agree. Are, are you guys mad? Because I know there were some Mets uh, Nets fans. I got the Mets on my mind because they've been so fun. But the, there were Nets fans mad about last week where they rested everyone against the Sixers. And that ended up being for, you know, the tiebreaker. If this ends up a tie, the Sixers are going to get the top spot. 
Were you, Robin or Kerry, frustrated that the Nets took that approach and kind of threw that game away? Although the Nets made it close with their backups, but they still lost uh, the top spot if, it, if it's a tiebreaker. As a basketball fan, I'm always a little peeved when a, a big marquee matchup, you know, gets the the air taken out of it because somebody sits. As a Nets fan, no, don't care at all. Uh, you know, I, I think the, the Nets do not – they've – proven it over and over they have they do not value the regular season whatsoever right their their one goal is to get these guys ready for the the playoffs they don't you know think that seating is that important obviously one you also look at it they're a half game behind philadelphia with, with however many games still left to play so it's not like that game decided the number one seed and so you know i i think if they're all healthy they're not worried about the seeding. And you could also argue, take the shore win against Minnesota rather than possibly dropping the game to Minnesota and then also dropping the game to Philadelphia. Yes. Yes. I, I, I knew Durant wasn't going to play in that game. He back to backs. He really hadn't played in that much this year, uh, especially coming back from injury. So I don't think they needed to show the Sixers their, their full scope of team. And, and it was a chess match. And I think the Nets uh, did a smart job by resting them. And, um, you know, they're looking forward to seeing guys healthy and being in that uniform when it matters. Because, guys, that's all that matters is all they're ready to play in the postseason. They've done all this stuff. They have all these challenges, all these things that they have to deal with, guys coming in and out the lineups, Kyrie missing games. You're bringing in guys like Aldridge and then he has to retire. It's all about the postseason now. And the the schedule, right, has been so compact. And, Jake, the game you referenced, you know, the game was postponed. So it was unforeseen circumstances, which made it even more compact. Kerry, I'm curious because of when you played. We always get into these error talks. And I know physicality was was higher at a different point. But I've theorized for a while now that the toll on the the lower extremities – is is greater now because of you know how fast the game is how wide open the court is how much switching closeouts explosive movements that have to happen so it takes a toll on guys playing this cadet schedule do you think that's one of the reasons we've seen the kind of injuries we've seen at the at the the rate we've seen them well you must have been listening to me doing some guest appearing on another podcast this week because that's exactly what i was talking about right is the speed of today's game I sat courtside about a year ago and a year and a half ago, and it was crazy how fast this game is now. And so you're right. That torque on the body and what it does on a night-to-night basis. And remember, guys, they don't have practice anymore, right? There's no more practice in between games. They're resting their bodies. They're taking games off, and you're still seeing these stress-related injuries at an alarming rate. I don't think today's style of play is sustainable. That's just my personal opinion. We'll see over time. These teams will have to take a look at their medical approaches because the rest time isn't enough when you're seeing the hamstring injuries, when you're seeing ACL injuries all across the league, Achilles injuries. It's like too much torque. That amount of running you have to do on both the offensive end and the defensive end it's just too much. You know, Carrie, I wouldn't plagiarize or, or bite you straight to your face. So uh, I'll just chalk this up to a, a, a case of great minds. Exactly Carrie's right. cheating on us with other podcasts. <laughs> Carrie, what's that all about? I make a guest appearance every now and then. You know? uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, hey, he's got to flex a little bit. I'm, I'm a guest. I'm an important, distinguished guest. <laughs> Meanwhile, the, the Nets' upcoming schedule, they got the Raptors tonight, Wednesday, at Toronto, wherever that is, or we're at the Raptors, wherever that is, <laughs> the, the Celtics, the Suns, and Tuesday again with the Raptors. Coming up, Anthony Puccio of the Association and Front Office Sports, formerly of Nets Daily, joins us here on Full Court on Flatbush. 
We're joined now by Anthony Puccio, affectionately known as Pooch, here on Full Court on Flatbush. He, Pooch. <laughs> he writes a daily newsletter, The Association, from Front Office Sports, formerly of Nets Daily. Been covering the Nets for a long time. And Pooch, first thing I have to ask you is, what's up with the Nets and hamstrings? Because we got... James Harden, we just got done with Kevin Durant. I remember a couple years ago, Jeremy Lin was out for like the damn season with a hamstring. What's going on with the team and, and, and hammies? Uh, hammies, COVID tracing. I mean, every injury under the under the sun. I mean, you could talk about with this team and they're still, you know, only a game and a half out of first place. But you bring up a good point with the hamstring injury with Jeremy Lin. I think, I wouldn't say I'm so concerned about the performance staff and the performance team or anything like that. But there's been this lingering issue since Sean Marks took over where, Guys hurt their hamstrings, and then they have a setback. And and now we're seeing it for the second time this year with James Harden. First time with Kevin Durant, and now James Harden. I have no explanation. I'm no doctor, and for good reasons. But, you know, again, it, it's kind of a, a damper on their season right now, despite the winning. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's been a concern with the team this year. Is having, you know, we've been, Robin and I, every week, we're trying to figure out, man, how good could this team be? We, we want to see these three guys out there consistently together. And it, thus far, it was, what, nine or ten games, whatever it is. How do you see this panning out later as, as the playoffs approaches without those three guys having time on the court together to develop more cohesiveness? Is it really important before the playoffs start, or do you think they could just figure it out in round one or round two? You know, okay, I think it's a testament to how talented this team is that they're again only a game and a half out of first place and that and that they're 39 and 19 you know at this point and these guys again as you mentioned they've only played seven games together six that were full Kevin Durant got taken out of that game so if you ask me this question maybe in December January February you know about injuries and being concerned maybe I would say not so much but now you know again we look at that six seven games that they've played together it's April and we have one month left until the playoffs so you look at the Los Angeles Lakers, everybody's concerned about LeBron and AD. I think you have the same case with the Nets. You know, again, uh, it's a testament to how good that they've been, the fact that they're winning without these guys. But they have one month to figure it out, to, to get healthy and get these three guys on the floor. I don't want to over-exaggerate this because you do have three of the best basketball players in the NBA. And when you go on five-on-five five in the playoffs, Kerry, as you know, <laughs> that's all that matters. But you have to get to that point, and we have to make sure these guys are healthy. So you don't want to start – trying to find your groove, find that gel between these three guys come playoff time. You know, it took them a couple games to actually figure that out. Kyrie said it, you know, you're playing point, James Harden, I'm, I'm playing the two. And that took some time. Now they're five and two in the games that they have played together. I'm not worried about James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant suiting up. It's just a matter of will they suit up? And now they only have one month to figure it out. You know, I think about that too. You think about those Spurs teams with, with Duncan and, and Parker and Ginobili. Those guys were always healthy when time mattered. Think about the Miami Heat with the big three. Those guys were always on the court. Think about the Golden State Warriors when they made their little run, right? They had those three guys, Curry and, and Thompson, on the court, and, you know, and Durant ready to play. This is concerning to me now that we're towards the end of April. I've never seen teams go deep in the playoffs when they've been this late in the season having their two main guys on the sidelines with not getting any reps. That's a concerning thing to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and you know what? Again, other guys are stepping up. You look at somebody like Landry Shamit even in the past couple of games. He's played great. Obviously, Kyrie has been out there on the floor and he's he stepped up as a leader, getting them through some games. You look at two nights ago, did what he had to do to get them to win. But I can't help but think about how they have only played six games together. It's like I've I've spoken with Nets fans. The consensus is like we've had fun because they're winning, but we don't know what they really look like when they're fully healthy. So when I look at this team and, and I look at the whole season as a big picture, this is the time that you really 
really miss Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, and he might come back and he said that, you know, he's, he's, he's talked about returning for the playoffs, but somebody like that, a spark that could either start, be a playmaker off the bench, whatever it might be, this is when they really miss somebody like him. So certainly concerning, as you mentioned. And Pooch, they've actually even been a little bit better than you were saying before. The half game out of first in the East going into the, the game tonight and credit to, to Sean Marks as, as much as we were talking about the hamstring and, and some of the time it's taken guys to, to come back aside from the big moves which are you know dubbed to, to sign Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and, and and you know trade for James Harden in retrospect pretty much a dub right but w- when you look at some of the other smaller moves you mentioned Shamit, Bruce Brown you know the development of, of clacks and stuff like that and it, it gets to the point where the, the Nets are this team now to be reckoned with and, and the biggest national story but you've been a, a fan of, of this team for a, a long 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 time you know I think you mentioned you were you were five years old watching Kerry play right so what is it like to make Kerry feel old and and also (laughs) what, what is it like to see where this team has gotten to well, you know, uh, look, I, again, I started, I was six years old, taking drives from Queens to, to East Rutherford, Jersey, when the Nets were the little brother team. And now you get a taste in 2021 of, of what that felt like. Now, that team, as Kerry could tell you, not many people anticipated it. Nobody expected that. I mean, you guys had won maybe 20 games a season before. So there was there was a different type of atmosphere when they were at the Continental Airlines Arena, you know, the little brother stigma, all that stuff. But now the way I look at the Nets, like they're like that youngest stepbrother that just moved to New York City. That he grew up and is now punching their older brother in the face. That's the Knicks. And the Knicks are playing great this season. I don't want to discredit them, but the narrative that they've changed for this organization. Now, Kerry and, and that group really did bring respect to the New Jersey Nets. And I, I do want to point out next year is the 20, 20 year anniversary. They should bring back some retro uniforms. But back to my point, it, you know, this season has really kind of, again, changed the narrative on this Brooklyn Nets team. That stigma that they had from Jersey, which for me, you know, growing up, I had nothing but great memories. You know, like like if they weren't in New Jersey, the, the success was there. And and you could you could say you could chime in here, Kerry. You you guys played two of the best teams of all time. I think those two teams in 0102, 03, 04 were some of the best Nets teams that and and personally some of the best NBA teams that never won a championship. And people do not speak about that enough. I would concur with that. I I, I thought that we were uh, a. a- fascinating group to watch on a night-to-night basis you know you go out to the swamps on a Tuesday and you catch Jake here running a break and and how fast we just go on these runs and destroy teams it was it was fun to be a part of that any any professional athlete will tell you when you lace them up and you get on the court and you know before the game start that you're probably going to win the game that's a wonderful feeling we had that kind of talent we had that kind of chemistry as a group and dedication to doing what it took and you know we had some really good successful well it's wild for me and Pooch because Pooch was five at the time I'm only three or four years older than he is. So I was there with my dad watching you. I had a Kerry Kittles jersey. So now we're both on with you. Uh, can you, can you still run. fit it? No, it is a size medium. And my, I, have a, I have a food baby. Robin just had a baby. I have a food baby. So no, I can, I'm an XL now. I went from medium to XL. I saw KD say they were going to bring back the, the gray joints with the red. Oh, the, I've, been, the I've been saying it for years. I, I, I drew up a, a mock jersey in 2018. I've been asking them to bring back those jerseys and show some love to those old teams. I mean, it's ridiculous. The, the banners are black and white. I mean, those teams that made the, you know, won the Eastern Conference Finals, red, white, and blue. Show some respect to the history. That's just my thing. Now, as a reporter, and, and when I had actually joined as, as a credentialed reporter, you know, obviously had to p- take my, my fan cap off. And, and it is off now. I have to be completely objective. Journalists and reporters love to pretend like they never grew up liking a team, right? Like, it's like this big thing that you can't like a team. But I grew up, and this is how I started loving the game, was watching that team 
So now with my reporter's cap, I'm looking at this Nets team now and comparing it to them as the first time that they actually have a chance to win a championship. But as I mentioned earlier, less expectations on that team. Nobody expected that back in 0102. Now in 2021, you have the big three, and then you have the best three-point shooter in the NBA in Joe Harris. I don't want to forget about him. So now all the pressure's on you. You not like it, it's championship or bust for this team. So for Sean Marks, you have to go win the championship. You know, it wasn't that it wasn't like that for New Jersey. For this team, it's championship or bust. You you risked your whole foundation. You lost D'Angelo Russell, all those guys. Kenny Atkinson got rid of them, Karis Levert, all of them. And he made the right move. But now you have to go win a championship and you have to go extend those guys this summer. Make sure that this isn't just a two-year window. Yeah, I, I think if they're healthy, it is championship or bust. That's the expectations that are set. But you also have to look at the window. Right now, they, they've now locked up a window of contention. So not getting a, a championship in that window would be, I, I don't even know how to put into words the level of disappointment. But it's not all the eggs are in this season. I know it feels like that when we cover things day-to-day and churn out takes on a day-to-day basis. But guess who's going to be on the Brooklyn Nets next year? James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and these guys. Right. But again, Robin, and, and you're right, it isn't just this year, but the idea that they only have these guys locked up for one more season is kind of alarming. If they don't win this year, that just adds even more pressure next year. So again, Sean Marks' first goal going into the offseason this year is to extend those guys. Find a way. Get at least two of those three guys back for another three years. Let them finish their careers as Nets and put them back on the map. Talk about the job which you've seen from the from the coaching staff, right? And and how Nash and D'Antone have been able to utilize those role players this year. I, you know, as a former player, I think it's fascinating to be able to maintain this as throughout the East this year with all of this, you know, commotion with the lineups and the injuries and the protocols, as you mentioned earlier. Like, talk about the job that Nash has done and also the development of guys like Shamit and coming along. You know, TLC, new guy to the to the roster, and Johnson, I think. Johnson was playing well for them earlier this year. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, look, I, I wasn't a big fan when they fired Kenny Atkinson. I thought he overachieved and didn't get a fair shot. But the way he ran his offense, the, the Nets were – Dead last in the NBA at mid-range jump shots, taking six per game. So now I look at Steve Nash, certainly went through growing pains and, and still is. I mean, there are times where I feel like he doesn't he doesn't call a timeout when they need it. And, like and I kind of <laughs> like just like last night. And you know what, guys? Like I do understand from his perspective, he's he's a legendary point guard who understands the importance of keeping momentum and trying to fight through it. But as a head coach, you have to call timeout when when the momentum is shifting the other way. But otherwise, you know. He's grown. He's learned. He didn't stretch the rotation enough in the beginning of the season. And and that's something that he's done very well towards the end. And you see guys like Alizé Johnson, who's, who's getting a chance now and, and playing well, a guy coming out of the G League. You mentioned Tyler Johnson. Bruce you know, stretching Brown. Out. Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown. Yeah, that's, how could I forget Bruce Brown, you know, who's been integral for this team. But the guy that I think really he's gotten the most out of, and I love the way that they use him in a stretch five position, Jeff Green. I, I think he's the ultimate glue guy for this team. He does everything you need him to do. He slashes. He pick and pops. He can pick and roll. He can do whatever you need him to do and you could say that for a bunch of guys on this team a lot of versatility a lot of a lot of talent to work with for steve nash and dan tony but they're executing as coaches i just think you need to call more time <laughs> you talked about wearing your reporter cap and and taking your fan cap off but you know i think every time i ever went to the barclays center i saw you and, and obviously uh with a fan base like the nets that over the years hasn't gotten the same amount of love or, or coverage that that some of the franchises have there can be a connection there. So I'm sure you still have that that connection with the fan base. Would you like to defend the fan base a little bit from the the remarks that they they get a, a lot of times about, you know, 
not being there or all bandwagon, you know, all, everything that that's come along from being, as you mentioned, the little brother to all of a sudden big brother all yoked up. Yeah, man, let me tell you something. Uh, you know, the Nets family, Nets fan base, uh, you know, I just, I just called them family involuntarily because my own personal experiences having grown up you know obviously a fan then becoming a reporter i'll bring up a story from the 1819 team with d'angelo russell uh, i was covering that team every single day was getting evicted from my house my father was sick i wasn't i wasn't getting paid to to write for the team every game so in fact i was losing money covering them and this fan base come playoff time you know they said you you need to be there you know we haven't made the playoffs in years and and they they started a GoFundMe and and rounded off enough money to to get me hotel and food expenses travel expenses obviously too they rounded up together as a family to get me to Philadelphia for all three of those games out there and and for me that that hit home this past summer the same thing was going on man like i just kind of hit a wall and these these fans banded together and started a GoFundMe and it raised like over $10,000 overnight. Now I didn't, I didn't take the money, but it led to me getting this job. You know, like somebody saw that, that the fans actually cared enough to do that. And they said, you know, if, if they're willing to do that, then we could at least take a shot on you. So Nets fans for me, you know, you could say what you want that, oh, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the only defense that Knicks fans and, and people around the NBA have the narrative that, oh, like they're not going to sell out and they're not going to do this. But let me tell you something. There are some of the best people and some of the most loyal people you'll meet. And Kerry will tell you, maybe it wasn't sold out every single night in New Jersey, but the people that were there, they really, really cared about those Nets. Pooch got me crying in the club right now. I could go on for days, man. When I was in Philly and the, and the fans sent me, the players saw it. I went in the locker room to do an interview, man. And one of the players was in damn near tears. He, he said, Pooch, I know all that you've been through. He said, you know, you and, and, and what the fan base did, it just shows and embodies the culture that we've built here. Now, that player is no longer on the team. He kind of knew he was getting getting the nod out of there. But, you know, again, just some of the things that people don't know and don't get to hear behind the scenes. I can go on for days standing standing with the Brooklyn Brigade and just talking with those people. They're just they're just good people, man. And they are so loyal to their team. Go on Twitter and go find out. Bandwagon or not, they love their nest. This episode is brought to you by Kleenex. My goodness. Uh, I'm getting, <laughs> getting emotional here. Uh, I, I got one for you. Last one for you, uh, Pooch. Growing up and, you know, getting in the industry early at eight. Now, it's a tough thing to do credentialed and being taken serious. We're two guys that have got made fun of by Gio, Greg Giannotti on the air, where he ripped you and questioned your credibility at one point. I got called a lazy millennial on national radio by him. He's ripped me before. So, you know, we're young guys trying to make it, getting ripped by, you know, a veteran. How hard has it been um, being a young journalist and being taken seriously and being respected in your early 20s and late teens uh, covering the Nets when you were a Nets daily? Uh, you know, Jake, I, I think I think it's certainly tough, but I I, I use that adversity as, as fuel to the fire. You know, when Gio started saying that stuff on WFAN, I said, "Keep it going, brother." I mean, he called me cooch. You know, you don't you don't do that to somebody. You you don't call him a cooch. I, and I don't know if I could say that on your podcast. <laughs> you sound like Cuomo in that. You know, when he was doing Fredo. <laughs> no, it, it's the truth though. You, yeah. you, you know, you 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 diss someone's credibility and, and and hard work over the years, and and for me, I think like I mentioned earlier, the adversity I face at home and and in this industry in general, trying to break through, I just see it as as again more fuel to the fire. It's, it's hard to it's it's super hard and super slippery right now, and and has been for, since I at least I've been around you know eight years now. But if anything, it just makes me want to keep punching through the wall and keep breaking through. So uh, I definitely hear you on that. Like it it, it can get frustrating at times when you're discredited or you know like 
that Gio report when he made fun of me, it was because I reported that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were coming to the Nets in April. And he, he went on air and what happened? Vindication comes July, baby. So I, <laughs> I love it. It's all it's all fun for me. You wanna you wanna come at me, I'm I'm all for it because it's just more fuel to inspire. So I do actually appreciate you asking that question because this industry could be really cutthroat, but uh there's there's beauty in the struggle behind it. See guys, I like Pooch too because the accent I mean you don't want to meet him in a Brooklyn alleyway. He'll come after you. He's got the accent where he you know, he could be a writer or he could be in the mafia. We don't know. And that's what makes Pooch the best right here. Yeah. Well he surely hasn't missed any workouts, you can tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How much and, you bet Pooch? I, I will stick with Pooch rather than anything that rhymes with it. Uh, <laughs> Pooch, Thank you, Rob. Thank yeah. you. We're, we're, uh, we're very happy for your success, man. Congratulations. The Association, it's a daily newsletter on the NBA, courtesy of, of front office sports. Anthony Puccio uh, puts it together on a day-to-day basis. You can sign up for that. And, and Pooch, we appreciate your time today. You can follow him on Twitter at a Pooch, which is P-O-O-C-H. Gentlemen, thanks so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. The next stop is Barclays Center. Flatbush Avenue. That does it for episode 18, the Ben Uzo edition of Full Court on Flatbush, our Brooklyn Nets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mungia for producing the show. Subscribe to Full Court on Flatbush wherever you get podcasts. But give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review on Apple Podcasts, would you? For Kerry Kittles, I'm Robin Lundberg. We're back next Wednesday. Stay safe and stay healthy. And thanks for listening to Full Court on Flatbush. Let's go Nets!